0: what's going on my man it is a big week in college football it is a big week in tuscaloosa really yeah. excited to chat with you my man what's going on not much dude I, why are you dressed i can't tell if you're dressed like you're going to egg house or like a soundcloud
2: rapper but it's something
0: i i'm just wearing a beanie man okay? <laughs> yeah. i just i just, I just it, it's honestly it's i woke up this morning and let the dogs out and it was like 35 degrees so it's, it's like 46 right now it's amazing right right that, well that's yeah, that, that's why I did it. I was like, this is a good day to bring the beanie out, the hoodie, but I promise I'm not going to rob a bank or egg a house or anything of the sort. So, uh, yeah. Chris, we'll start, man. South Carolina, a tough loss in College Station over the weekend. I don't feel like it was all that surprising, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's one thing to pick it and expect it, but when you're in the midst of a two-and-six season and you see it unfold, it, it's it's no less maddening, right? So, South Carolina now begins this four-game home stretch. Jacksonville State, Vandy, Kentucky, Clemson. If you had to set a number at it and odds, you're a gambling guy, odds, would you say – like, where would you place the odds on South Carolina finishing 4-0? Because we've seen this do this before under Shane Beamer, and obviously they've got to go undefeated the rest of the way to get to a bowl game. And, Chris, I mean, realistically, you look at the slate, I mean – you got JSU and Vandy, two games that if you don't win, we're having a totally different conversation. Yeah. But then you got Kentucky and Clemson who are who are sputtering in their own right. So, I mean, am I crazy for thinking there's a shot the Gamecocks could reel off four straight and get to six wins? No, no. That, that's that's the
2: last four games?
0: Yes, it's Jacksonville State, Vandy, Kentucky, and Clemson. All at home. All at home, yep. four. Oh, yeah, I don't know if there's another team in college football that closes out with that type of like Four straight home games is unheard of i feel like
2: yeah no that's awesome too because I, I think that like you you're getting these teams at like perfect times like i mean jsu you could make the argument you could make the argument that that jsu is the one that would be the scariest of those clemson is a is a nightmare i mean clemson is a nightmare <laughs> like it just i never thought we'd see that i mean well, I don't know if I'd say Never thought we'd see the day, but it has just been so funny to watch Dabo Swinney just fall apart at the seams. I mean, it, it is—it's incredible. Um, I, I the Kentucky thing—I've—I've I've just said this over and over again. Um, Kentucky's kind of shitty. They're just not a good team. They're not a good team. Like Devin Leary has has gone. From being like before the season, like somebody even that I was like very, very high on, like, you know, the 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions his first year um was like really, really impressive. I think the thing that you have to look at when you look at South Carolina, all the talk about whether they're gonna win a game starts with Spencer Rattler, right? Um, hey, you know, here's a positive from last week. Who would have thought when you get the ball to your fucking best athlete on the roster that good things happen? Isn't that you crazy? Called it. You called it. I, I it. <laughs> it's shocking to me that a six, 230 pound kid that runs a 10 one um, you get the ball in his hands and, and he makes plays. That's, that's, that's insane. But I I think that you can make the case that like, you know, that they, they could win all four of those games. I, I honestly, I'm kind of excited now that I didn't realize that's what they closed with. I I, I think they could, I think they could easily do it. And I tell you what, if you're Shane Beamer, that's what you need more than anything. It's not just the fact that you would win the four, like the, the four straight games, but ending the season that way would be like a really, really great, great um, way to way to close out. And here's here's the point I was trying to make, and I got in my own way. Um, Spencer Rattler at home versus on the road. I was shocked when I looked at the numbers of him on the road, like last week against against a And for the season, because it's like a, a it's a massive statistical drop off. But he's only had three home games, and his numbers are light years better at home. And you can make a case for, the oh, it's a competition, blah, blah blah, whatever. Like. There's nobody that he's, he's going up against the rest of the year that, that are world beaters. So I, I think it's a great way for him to go out in his Gamecock career, for Shane Beamer to close out, uh, close out the regular season. I think getting to six wins is not only doable, but like I, I would say probably I would give it about a 55 60% chance they could do it.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: And to your point, Chris, when you look at the home and road splits, it is crazy. South Carolina on the road this season as Mm -hmm. an offense, averaging 16 points per game at home, they're averaging 41 points per game. And granted, the competition, but still, those splits are insane. Chris, to say that it's been a wild year in the Palmetto State for football is putting it rather lightly. Um, Not only the results on the field for both South Carolina and Clemson, but it feels like on a weekly basis, like I'm not convinced that Shane Beamer and Dabo Sweeney don't text back and forth of like, watch what I do this week. Like they're right. just trying to, they're just trying to one up each so other bad. in the craziness. Uh, the latest, of course, Tyler from Spartanburg becomes a legend overnight, and I'm wondering why has Chris Marler from Columbia, Atlanta, what? Ha- why has he not. not become the same legend in regards to a call in show? nick saban i'm i'm stunned that that's not you is all i'm (laughs) I'm saying saying. are you tyler from spartanburg no absolutely not
2: i have way too much pride (laughs) for any of that um
0: uh, you know here's the thing too though
2: the davos Sweeney thing um i i don't i don't think that he was that far out of line like for the first minute and a half i was like i get it i'm on board like like i don't think either of them made a, a bad point it's almost like when you like have it out with somebody that you're close with because you guys just had some like unsaid shit that you need to you need to get off your chest that's almost what it seemed like like one side made a good point the other side started to make a good point but also if like you're in charge of the PR person I always say this about Saban Saban's one of the one, he's the best coach of all time and he always seems like he knows what he's doing talking to the media whoever decided to let him get in front of a camera last year and and ask for a spot to the playoff I know that person's no longer with the, with the university. I, I know that for a fact, because that's one of the first questions I asked his daughter, like, when he was on, I was like, who the fuck came up with this idea? This is a terrible idea. Um, whoever the PR person is for Clemson that allowed that phone call to go on for that long and then let Dabo speak, that is wild decision-making. And that's coming from me. That, that, I mean, that is wild decision-making. I think I think that Dabo going on there and saying some of the stuff he said... Wasn't all that off base, but then he started getting into the whole, I've never failed at anything. I started from, you know, I, I made. I got two degrees. I made. I'm a man of faith. And it was like, bro, like just, I, I he, you could tell he's like, I, I don't know if there is a more defensive coach in the country than Dabo besides Kirby smart, but Kirby's just defensive on the field where you'd want it to be and plays good. Like it's, it's two different things. Dabo is an idiot. Like Dabo, Dabo saying all this stuff is it's such good fodder in theater, but somebody letting
0: him go on for five minutes is mind blowing to me. Chris, it's a lesson, isn't it? And I, and I had a similar take to you about the Dabo Sweeney stuff. And when I heard it, that first off, I'm somewhat stunned that coaches in shows are still a thing, not because yeah. I think that fans shouldn't be able to have a voice, but I'm just surprised coaches are like willing to do them as right. closed off and and secretive as they are. They're just going to open yeah. themselves up to practically anybody on a phone line. I thought it was a human having a human reaction, but it just goes to show that you never win when you swing down. And that's what kind of what Dabo did to a point like the, the beginning. And then it got sort of like, ah, let's, well, it, lighten- hold on. you know, and here's here's the point I was trying to make, and I know
2: you got a Clemson fan for whatever reason in the comments, but like here's the point I was trying to make. If if you're gonna sit here and talk about we got this many ten win seasons, we got I, I, the graduation thing was awesome. I thought that was incredible. You know, like we we got this many ten win seasons, we got this many national championships in the last seven years. Blah blah blah. blah. That's great, but the the whole thing about spending eleven and a half million dollars a year for you to go four and four is horseshit. Like. You're not worth the $11.5 million right now. And here's the other thing that's sad is that he's almost doing it out of this like prideful spite of being like, nope, I'm not going to the portal. I'm going to be the only one that's different. Well, I tell you what, if you're the only one that's being different and you're, I don't know, I wouldn't even say eight. No, maybe you're six and two with a tough loss against Florida State. That's one thing. You're fucking four and four. You're four and four with a loss at NC State. You've lost back to back games for the first time in over a decade. You refuse to go in the portal. You at one point had eight to nine white offensive starters on the field at once, which is comical at best in this age of football. I don't care how that sounds, but like you're doing everything your own way and it's not working. So if you want to brag about like, oh, well, I deserve this money because I did this, this, and this, you, you pay the $1,000 for the iPhone 15. You don't pay a $1,000 for a fucking iPhone 6 It's bragging about all the stuff that he could do in 2015. That's all.
0: Chris, I think I saw somebody reply to you and say that iPhone 6 was a brick, though. So, I mean, hey, I think I had it, too. That thing was solid. Um, Chris, over the summer, we all make predictions, and we try to get out ahead of it and try to pick kind of Mm -hmm. the madness. I picked Vanderbilt to beat Auburn straight up in this game over the summer. I I doubled down and stuck with it because it's already out there, right? I mean, it's so funny. I I posted the Vanderbilt prediction graphic back in July, and it had like 120,000 views. And I'm like, man, Vandy fans are fired up for football. And I realized... Oh, Auburn Twitter got a yeah. hold of it. So what are the chances that that pick comes to fruition? Is there any shot? Is there any hope that Vandy could actually beat Auburn? Huge, huge
2: game in this series. Auburn, the, the one of the proudest fan bases. They'll tell you about how they are a blue blood in multiple sports. Multiple sports. Um, they're tied all time with Vandy, and it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> hysterical. Um I I think that I think that there's a chance, yeah, that I think that that baby can win this game because here's the thing. I fully understand what Peyton Thorne was able to do last week in Mississippi State and the, the three touchdown passes he had. I mean, like that's awesome. The, he had three touchdown passes in the first half of that game, and that's more than they had in the previous four SEC games combined that, that Oliver had um, coming into that game. So maybe he's able to start doing this after the bye week and they're able to put all that together and that becomes the offense because that is a Hugh Freeze offense like they are they are able to throw the ball effectively. We just haven't seen that against anyone and we saw it against Mississippi State, you know who else looked great against Mississippi State Spencer Rattler Jalen Milroe, uh, the kid from Arizona pretty much everyone that's played him so. Going on the road, and I know it's Vandy, so it's like not like a hostile environment by any means. You're ba- you're playing in a fucking construction zone. It's basically just like a an abandoned like like paintball park. I mean, just there's just, there's shit everywhere. So like, I think going into that game, if Vandy, whose offense has been pretty good at times this year, if they're able to score at all and make this attract me, I don't think Auburn can say say with them. I, I don't like I, like I, I think that if Vandy's able to put up. 21 or something like that in the first half, which we've seen them do at times. I, yeah, I think they could hang with Auburn. Auburn's, Auburn just have an offense. They, they just don't have a consistent offense.
0: Spread is 12 in that game. And I got to admit, more that'd be one of my more proud moments if, uh, if I somehow, if that, if I nail that pick, I, I will yeah. be absolutely flaunting it on social media. I have no shame in that. Uh, to Athens, Georgia, and Missouri, do you think Mizzou has the physicality? To, I, I was surprised the spread was 16 um, yeah. feels like maybe somewhat of a spot. The only thing that scares me is like Georgia is going to flex their muscles yet again, kind of remind us all like why they're Georgia, yeah. you know, Kirby's using that word number two in the college football mm-hmm. playoff motivating factor thing. I'm expecting a closer game though. Uh, are, are you in the same or do you think Georgia runs away with it? I think that this is like a perfect
2: disaster scenario for, for Mizzou because You've got a great offense and brady cook has been awesome luther burden's been great um you know the defense is i thought was gonna be the strength of this team going into it they they looked really good last year in in, in como um uh against georgia i i think that if you're talking about if you're talking about a team that is like desperate for, for revenge all the time. I always call it their, Georgia, and their fans especially are just horny for disrespect because that's exactly what they are. They're just, just begging to be disrespected. Um, you kind of got it now, right? Like, you you come off before the Florida game, people, including me, kind of doubting with this team was. You don't have your best player, Brock Bowers. Now you get Mizzou at home in a spot where it's like there's, there's something on the line for this game. Like, this is not a look-ahead game. There's, there's something on the line for this game against mizzou you need you need to win this football game to to win the east um and have all your all the stuff in place for you to get to get to the, the cultural club because here's the thing that georgia i think understands at this point is you better start winning in convincing fashion and now you get the stretch where you get like you can kind of put all that stuff to rest about how they have not play anybody and blah, blah blah blah. but you better start winning in convincing fashion because if you go 12-0 and lose in the sec championship game i don't think you're getting in I like the strength of schedule right now is ranked a hundredth and it'll go up because they're playing three straight ranked opponents. But that strength the schedule is what it is right now going into the last month of the season. I I think this is a perfect spot for Kirby to be like, there's no time to let your foot off the gas. There's no team that has really played better down the stretch than, than Georgia anyway, over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So I, I fully expect Georgia to come out here on with their hair on fire. And I, I think that Mizzou will get some points, but I don't think it's going to be, anything substantial like they've been able to put up the past couple um, couple games this year. I think Georgia wins big, man. I, 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 just, I, I, I just will, I'm not going to bet against Georgia or say they're going
0: to lose for a while. I, I think they win big. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage, for college football fans twisted tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before it's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with five percent alcohol and no carbonation delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion no need to settle for the usual twisted tea turns up any occasion especially when you're cheering for your favorite team Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful. And Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at GameTime. Go download the GameTime app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's SP or S U P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Chris, admittedly, I was very underwhelmed by what I saw from Texas A&M against South Carolina. I, I don't think they're mm-hmm. a very good team. I, I really don't. I know they get up for the big games, yeah. all that, whatever. But, I mean, a, a a decent South Carolina team absolutely could have won that game. And, unfortunately, that's not the point the Gamecocks are at. But boring offensively, the offensive line plays like it it despises Jimbo yeah. Fisher for whatever reason. I mean, we've got, we know they've got talent. <clears throat> I think Ole Miss is going to steamroll Texas A&M. What say you? I don't I, like, well, nope. it, it's easy to say that about
2: AM, but they're missing their starting quarterback, former five-star starting quarterback who was second in the country in QBR before he went down. They're missing three of their front seven. Cooper's Cooper is, a, is, is the best linebacker in the country this year. Yeah, um, It's on the road. So you got to like Ole oh, Miss's chances there, right? Like, I think that's that's a little bit, it's just another kind of like notch in, in their belt. But I'll tell you what, here's the one thing I like about, about A&M's, A&M's chances this weekend. Only one time this season have we seen Kiffin do the thing that we all love that Kiffin does, which is troll on social media, talk a bunch of shit on social media, and kind of poke, poke the bear on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. He's only done that one other time this year, and it was against Bama. And he's been doing that against, against A&M for you know, any time he he's had the chance in, in the past couple of years. But I haven't seen him do this all week. I, th- I kind of thought he learned his lesson against Bama I, this is a huge game for Ole Miss to kind of prove if, like, all right, if, if you're Kiffin, have you matured as a head coach where you're saying, I, I'm not going to look ahead because George is next week, right? Mm-hmm. And and we're not going to look ahead. We're going to beat a team that's, that's that's down right now and take full advantage of that. But I don't know if he's is he, if he's capable of doing that, and I don't know if the team who a lot of times embody the, the, the personality of their head coach, if they're going to be able to do that because this is a team where you've seen Kiffin in the last three years, including this one, Start six and one or seven and zero, oh, and that's not how they finished. That's not how they finished at all. And so last year you start out seven and one, you go eight and five. So I I wonder what that looks like if um if if they because here's the thing they still have everything in front of them if Bama loses this weekend, which is more than like I don't say likely, but I mean kind of. Uh So I, I think I think Ole Miss. This is a huge game for Lane Kiffin. I, I personally think it's more important for how what he's building as a program than the, the one at Georgia next week.
0: Chris, Florida, Arkansas, no. Kentucky, Mississippi State, do either of those games do anything for you?
2: I don't want to – I'm not even going to waste
0: <laughs> any time on that. I, I could care less. Hey, you know what? Both of those are snoozers, but when it's yeah. the middle of the offseason, we'll be like, man, I wish I was watching Florida and their blackout unis take over. Yeah. Sam Pittman, Dan Enolis, Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, Hey, let's just get to it, man, to Tuscaloosa, the big one. LSU, Alabama, it it feels like the SEC West coming down to this, both teams off of bye week I know you got to be rolling in this one with tons of confidence because, I mean, to the point you have made and others have made that outside of 2019 and last year, Bama's owned LSU flat out. So Mm -hmm. going into this game, as a Bama guy, what's your confidence level in this one? And is there anything that concerns you about what LSU can do, you know, with the offense, with Jaden Daniels? We know the story on defense, not very good. Yeah. Uh, just talk about this game. And I know this is a huge one for you and obviously all Alabama and LSU and the SEC West as a whole.
2: I mean, if Bama wins this game, I'm going to be pretty insufferable to you personally, <laughs> because I, I heard all offseason Bama was going 9-3 and three from not just you, but. But a bunch of people, and you look up, and now they're in control of their own destiny. And I, I don't, I don't think that Bama's a better team than Georgia, but they're better than everyone else in the SEC right now. Um, besides maybe LSU, that's like a two A two B situation. If you tell me that, like before the season, there's the two things I was probably most wrong about was Jaden Daniels being able to stack seasons and and being like a a an above average quarterback, and I didn't know he would be not only an elite quarterback, but maybe the best quarterback in the entire country, come on a season where he had 28 total touchdowns, and three interceptions. Like, how do you, how do you stack those seasons? And then you're like, Oh, he's just ho-hum. We're halfway, or we're, we're going in November. He's already got 30, um, over 3000 total yards averaging 9.8 uh, yards per play. I mean, he's just been incredible and, and it doesn't matter if it's home or on the road, or wherever he's been great. And then you look at the other, uh, the other part of LSU is the offense, which is a- outside of that, that, that Arkansas, I'm sorry, that Florida State game, they have put up 30 points or more in every single game. They put up 40 points or more in every game except for the Arkansas game where they put up 34. So how do you slow that down if you're Bama, who's been really, really good on defense? Like you talk about an Ole Miss team that put up 55 on, on LSU, they haven't held them to 10. Um, this is one of the things that I said going into the season that I thought would be Bama's strength is all the shit from last year, the, game, the close games they play that they should have lost. Texas on the road, Arkansas on the road, Tennessee, you lose by three, it's on the road, LSU by one point in overtime on the road. I wish this game was being played in Death Valley because Bama doesn't fucking lose in in Baton Rouge. The Tide don't lose in Baton Rouge, and I don't care how that sounds. You can talk about last year and the one-point loss in overtime, sweet. It's the sixth time they've lost there since 1957. Bama owns LSU there. Um, The last 13 games between these two teams, Alabama's 11-2 and in those games, and LSU has scored more than 17 points only twice. They happen to win both those games that's a pretty good stat if you're if you're an lsu fan because lsu is going to put up more than 17 points against against alabama um the other thing i've been wrong about more than anything this season is alabama like in this season mm-hmm. i predicted them to lose like three times i thought they'd lose against a and m they'd lose against Ole miss and i thought they would lose against texas and I, I nailed the texas pick and the other two i was not very very spot on with lsu with a bunch of injuries I don't know how the defense doesn't get better, especially coming off the bye week. I know both teams are coming off the bye. Um, Bama's a little bit banged up, and at and, and cornerback with Terry and Arnold in the spot where that's the last place you want to be injured. I don't know why we couldn't shift from those to the offensive line. It's not like you even need five offensive linemen with how bad they've played this year, um, giving up 30 sacks. I mean, so what does that look like against a bad, or a bad LSU defense? I want to take the homer route on this and tell every LSU fan that will listen. That Alabama owns this team, and and I'm so sick and tired of hearing about what happened last year and the one point win in overtime. Because if Bryce Young completes a very easy pass in the first quarter, that game never goes overtime. But the bottom line is this: I don't think that Alabama can get into a track meet with anybody with this offense, no matter how bad LSU's defense is. And I think this game plays out a lot like the Texas game because. My question is, in the past, would be like, can, it, can both teams get to 40 points? Who wins? In this case, with Bama's offense, it's can Bama get to 30 points? And I think they can, but I also know that LSU can. So can Bama get enough stops and, and get enough scores to keep up with them? I, maybe, but I, you're not going to blink this team like you did A&M or like you did Tennessee in the second half. It's not going to happen. So I if you're asking for a prediction and I'll give I'll give it out later tonight on our podcast but like
0: I think LSU wins 38-28. Chris Marler with the master class of the reverse jinx. I respect the hell out of it Chris. I've been there myself. There you um go. <laughs> in closing, man, no, I appreciate you taking the time. The, the first college football playoff rankings are out which mean absolutely nothing. It's kind of like who's lines, yeah. in any ways where the game is made up. Points don't matter whatever. Did you have any takeaways? I mean, obviously, if this were the 12-team playoff, half the field is SEC teams, and the rest, it seems like, are Big Ten. So those who have fatigue mm-hmm. of those conferences, they're not going to get relief that maybe they think they're going to get with the 12-teamer. But, I mean, any thoughts to the initial playoff rankings that dropped? I I, I don't – it's it's interesting because I think that
2: the one – for the first time in a long time, it's very easy to look at this and be like, let's not overreact because this is going to play out. Because it's going to play out. Like, I mean, everyone's going to play each other, Right. I thought it was really interesting, the couple of takeaways that I had were, and I don't even know if they would matter or factor into it, but the, the main takeaways I had were this. One, the, the top four I really didn't have a problem with, and you talk about the top three teams. If you told me that it was based solely off resume, I think Ohio HP be number one. If you told me that it's the team that should is the most dominant in the country, I could see the case for Michigan. If you told me that it was a team that probably is the best team in the country that is going to peak at the right time, I could see Georgia. So like all three of those teams, being in the top three, I think all makes sense. Uh, and I think Ohio State with their resume should be number one. We learned this last year with Tennessee being ranked number one on the first one. That wasn't the committee just throwing shit at the wall. That's the fact that Tennessee had won against five ranked opponents. Um, if you're basing it off of resume, I kind of feel like Florida State maybe should have been ahead of, of, of Georgia and Michigan. Um, I, I love the fact that that Florida State and the BC game got break got brought up because the casual fan from around the country has been bringing that up for over a month now. Well, they almost lost to Boston college and they brought it up to the committee guy saying, you know, that's a red bandana game, whatever, whether you agree with that or not, like Florida state's also been boat racing every other team in their path since that game. And I don't know why that's not brought up um, more than than the, the BC game. Um, the other thing I thought was the most interesting was you've got four teams with a top 10 win. And then none of them were in the top four. And and they shouldn't be because they all have one loss. Um, so I think, or I'm sorry, they uh, Washington's the only one that doesn't have a one uh, doesn't have a, a loss. But um, three of the four teams did have a loss with Oklahoma beating Texas, Texas beating Alabama, and Alabama beating Ole Miss. The very last thing I thought was was surprised, excuse me, surprising. The committee chairman saying that the Michigan's cheating scandal hasn't factored in. I'm not saying it should be factored in or it should be factored in or whatever. What I am saying is his response saying it's an NCAA issue and not a CFP issue tells you everything you need to know in the fact that Michigan is not going to be punished this year. Like, that is the most, I don't know, ask your mother type shit I've ever heard in my life. Like, just go ask the NCAA. When has the NCAA ever made a good decision or a correct decision or an appropriate decision when when coming down? And I said this as soon as it happened. It's been hysterical to watch unfold. I hope every single part of it gets worse and worse for Michigan because I hate Michigan. Um, They've played no one. They've played no one and they spied on everyone while doing it. Imagine having to fucking cheat while playing the 111th ranked strength of schedule in the country. That's insane behavior. That's insane. Imagine playing Vandy every single week. That's what Michigan's done. That's what Michigan's done. I, so I think that, like, them saying the incident blade is going to make that decision. If you think the NCAA is going to come down on a blue blood program that is currently competing for a national championship, that's all the answers we need. Michigan will will, will end the season 11-1 or 12-0 and be in contention, and we'll just see how it happens from there.
0: And Chris, on that note, last thing. We didn't get to speak on this last week, but uh, a crazy week on social media as the Michigan stuff, the Connor Stallion stuff evolves, and South Carolina is drug into it by Tennessee fans who want to say that you know, yeah. Michigan helped out opponents of college football playoff opponents, and they put the Gamecocks directly in the crosshairs. Do you buy any of that? And if it comes out that that did happen, like, what do you think the fallout should be from it all?
2: You just laugh at Tennessee because it's Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't like. Who does anyone feel bad for Tennessee? No, they're they're awful. No, no. Um, the fan base is terrible. No, I will say this though, and I, I as a fan from a fan standpoint, I get paid to be objective. And, and that's what I try to do regardless of what people think on, on Twitter. But I try to be as objective as possible. Mm-hmm. I hate how much sense it makes. I hate how much sense it makes to the conspiracy theory because it's like South Carolina did only get six points. If you were trying to cheat and, and go send spies out, like it does make sense to, to kind of leave the information. I don't think that's what happened. But I hate how much, how how like the legs that the story has. I hate that they've continued to grow. Um, But here's the other thing too, like, like I I hope all this continues to happen strictly from the standpoint of like each day, some, this guy going rogue on the central Michigan sideline. And, and, and here's the beauty, here's the beauty of it. The fact that like, that, that central Michigan, people keep saying this, Connor O'Gara, one of my good buddies and and co-hosts or I mean workers said the same thing. Barrett Sully said the same thing. Well, if it wasn't something, how come central Michigan hasn't come out? And openly denied that he was that it's one of their own staff members. Dude, if I'm Central Michigan, if I'm Central Michigan and I have a chance to just piss off the state school that's like skull dragged us whenever they want to at times, like throughout, like and as like a as a September non con, I'm not saying anything. I, I don't know. I can't I can't figure it out. Who knows? Let this shit play out as much as possible. Put as much pain and and like distraction in on um, Michigan's um as on Michigan's plate as possible. Like,
0: cause Harbaugh is just rubbing everyone's face at this point.
2: So I I love it. I love it.
0: Chris Marler of Saturday down South Saturday football uncensored. Chris, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time and look forward to doing it again next week. And best of luck this weekend, man, either way cannot wait to watch a full slate, including the battle in T town, man. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. We'll talk soon. Appreciate you, Chris.